and we're recording. Amen. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm Rahul Sones and I am the host of the On Many Work podcast and the founder of the Disruptive Business Network. Uh, this is our first podcast uh, for 2021 and also our first by video. So you'll be now subjected to this. Um, for those of you who are new to the podcast, uh, the On Meaningful Work podcast is really about people who have fought to find meaning and purpose in the work that they do. And I am really excited about our next guest. Firstly, because he is a friend of mine and he is someone whose rise I really had the privilege of witnessing firsthand. His name is Michael Dixon and he is a musician by trade, a gypsy by nature, you know, a diehard nonconformist. Uh, and he is a award-winning speaker. He is a learning curator, uh, a learning designer, an event curator, and someone who's worked with the leadership of some of the biggest companies around, you know, from Google to YouTube to CBA to Telstra, you know, just to name a few. Uh, and in this conversation, we really uh, get down to his personal story, his numerous, numerous adventures, and also the inspirations that led him to his current tra trajectory. And he is also a uh, author now with his book, Everyday Creative. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Michael, welcome to the All Meaningful Work podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Like, I, I know, like, you've come from Geelong and, you know, you've been driving and, you know, really appreciate it. Pleasure. I would drive to... I would drive to... Kensington? No. <laughs> Uranus and back. <laughs> and we're off and running. <laughs> Um, so we, we've known each other for a while yeah. since, uh, five, six years now. And I've also had this idea for this podcast for a while. And uh, to be honest, like when I was thinking of it, like you were one of the guys that came in mind because I'll tell you why it was an experience I had at one of your events. Mm. So it was one of your earlier events where you had it at Shabin. Mm. Uh, amazing place, mm -hmm. you know, Simon Griffiths, if you're listening, you created something magical there. Mm. <laughs> um, but I, going to that event, I just had this feeling where I walk in and just with the lighting, the way you set up the stage, kind of how beautifully unstructured it was, you know, there, there was no like speakers, everyone from the audience was jumping up on the stage and, and this realization that I had, it was, it was like entering Michael's mind. Like this is, mm -hmm. if I kind of took a saw and carved your head open, like this is what your mind would look like. <laughs> yeah, that's great, yeah. Yeah. And um, so, so yeah, this podcast is really about how people have kind of dug into themselves and found what they value, you know, mm. taken a stock of their skills and experiences, and then from that have decided to uh, create something and mm. put something out in the world. Mm. Um, so, so just to begin, like, what's your origin story? Like, what's your genesis story? That's a beautiful premise, even yeah. before we get to that, maybe, if we mm. get to that, the, this idea of, of um, chopping someone's head off to mm. a point, half of their head, and peering in 
mm. and uh, and getting a real sense of wow, this is you, mm. this is how you live. Mm. That's a really great, I think, a way of of inspiring people mm. to make things in the world, maybe outside of work hours or especially inside of work hours mm-hmm. that are driven purely from their vision. Mm-hmm. It can be small, it can be big, it doesn't matter what it is. An event is such a great example of that mm-hmm. where you go, okay, this is the space, this is how I want to set it up, this is what I, how I think it should flow in the run mm-hmm. sheet and, and have no regard for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Or have, the rules of this is how we run an event. Yeah. yeah. It's just your thing. Yeah. Um, and if you uh, if you're courageous enough, I guess, or if you're just lost in that, in mm. the joy of that process, then the experience for everyone else is is often. I guess it's also you people will feel what you intend them to feel, hopefully, but mm. also they're getting a real felt sense of who you are mm-hmm. through that experience, like you you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, no, and I think, um, I suppose in a way, that's why I decided to do this podcast and, and kind of the people I, I look for, uh, I look forward to interviewing. It's, it's, it's really that. And maybe it's, it's a question that I've been asking myself and maybe this podcast is a way mm-hmm. of me scratching my own itch as mm-hmm. to, you know, what is meaningful work? How do I find it? Are there ingredients to it? You know, the people who have done it, what's mm. special about them, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not, not to sound too, you know, excited about having you here, but, but I view these folks as kind of superheroes in a way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and every superhero has an origin story. Mm. Yeah, great. Yeah. So... My origin story, okay. So where were you? Let me just move this a little bit. Sure, yeah. get right in there. Mm. Uh, where, where were you born? Were you, were you born in Adelaide in Australia? Grew up in Port Augusta and Port Lincoln, regional South Australia. Port Lincoln was where Jaws was filmed. A lot of the scenes and the shots oh, really? for the film. Yeah, wow. it's big tuna fishing. Lots of very rugged the coastline. It's the yep. it's the easternmost. You know, the beginnings of the Great Australian Bite. In, uh, in South Australia and then moved back to Adelaide, ended up going to a couple of private schools, got kicked out of one. Mm-hmm. Very early, I met a guy called Kim Perling. I've told this story many times on other podcasts, so if someone arrives at this one through whatever reason, mm-hmm. you can bump over this bit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, Kim Perling, he was an amazing piano player. He was mm-hmm. 1920 and I was 11 mm-hmm. and he uh, was a prodigy, he was a genius. He got me into jazz really early on. Mm-hmm. And then that really altered the course of my life, being being immersed in a culture. I still remember being in a music room, having a piano lesson with him, and our piano lessons because he was the he was the first ever baby adopted by Australian parents as a result of the Vietnam Vietnam War or the American oh, wow. War yeah. is what mm. the Vietnamese call it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so he was, you know, lost his parents and all that kind of stuff, an orphan, bang, adopted by the priest at our school. Mm. Turned out he's this incredible musical genius jazz classical Mm. you name it but cool guy and so i was getting a real education into what it is to to live music to live Mm. life to be vibrant and engaged and to break the rules and to Mm -hmm. to live life on your terms very early on it was a Mm -hmm. very powerful figure in my life i still recall the day that i actually heard 
you know, cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. And I heard the upright bass for the first time. I burst out laughing. I was like, what mm. the hell is that sound? Yep. I just never had that growing mm. up in Port Lincoln, Port Augusta. And then I th- this curious world of, wait a minute, on the other side of the planet, 50 years ago, there was a bunch of black men and women mm-hmm. that were playing this music at 3 a.m. on a Wednesday night in an underground club. What is this? <laughs> you know, I'm this kid from South Australia. Yeah. And it fascinated me and opened my mind to, I mean, that was kind of, I guess, a gateway to well, what else is there? Mm-hmm. What else is there outside of this neighborhood, this city, this country? And so this idea of, I got to go find that mm-hmm. was very catacombic catalyzing cataclysmic Mm -hmm. so then i spent a lot of time traveling when i got out of school finally and uh, i was a professional musician for 12 years i think touring and recording and and performing and putting on events and Mm -hmm. every few years i'd sell everything and go overseas and i'd Mm -hmm. I'd, um, travel extensively through africa south america europe north america asia wow and then i spent spent a good seven months in india yep another kind of time that was significant fast forward till about 30 mm-hmm. and uh, i was like right didn't make it in the music career at least in the levels that i thought i would like to mm. sold everything again went to india to find myself you know month in silence in an ashram all the things mm. you do ended up in nepal went to southeast asia bought a bar on a beach in cambodia built a guest house mexican restaurant did that for a while sold that built a geodesic dome for those listeners mm-hmm. out there they're into you know um, bucky and Fuller, Buckminster Fuller. Buckminster Fuller, yep. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then lived in that alone for a year in the jungle, writing and creating a musical. And then I had this epiphany where mm-hmm. I actually had an opportunity to buy a 99-year lease on an island in the Gulf of Thailand. And I could mm-hmm. run a guest house, organic, you know, catching fish to feed to the guests every day. And it was a real sliding door moment of, okay, I'm going to be the guy that has the dreadlocks down to his mm-hmm. bum and never comes back to Australia or I'll be, mm-hmm. I've got to go do something. Actually, before we get to that, so just maybe focusing on on one little bit. Mm. You said you went to, you grew up in Port Augusta, you went to a few private schools there. Yep. You got kicked out. Yep. Why did you get kicked out? Smoking weed. (laughs) But it wasn't really that. Mm. I was quite a disruptive student and I wasn't Mm. disruptive because I was uh, trying to cause trouble. I, I was, there seemed to be an innate questioning of, of the status quo and of the system very mm. early on in my life. A mm. lot of things wouldn't make sense. So I would often go into defense or into bat for other kids. When I see them get chewed out by a teacher, I mm. would step in and say, hey, why are you doing that? Yeah. Because da 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 And they were, right, well, then you've got detention too. And mm. I had nothing to do with that circumstance, but I, mm. I felt compelled from a very early age to stick it to the man. Yeah. So when yeah. this thing arised, it wasn't like I was smoking weed and caught in the act. It was actually a, a long convoluted story of a party that happened that mm. off-site and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But it was a gotcha moment where mm. it essentially this, it was the old guard of teachers that grew up in the 60s, 70s and 80s and they were all mm. about to retire. They didn't like my way and they wanted to teach me a lesson and this was a real... It sounds like I've really personalized this, but it kind of... Mm. We considered many years later suing the school. That's how... Wow, that's how okay. intense it was. Yes, mm. um, and that, that was a very powerful moment in mm. terms of also shaping this identity or this narrative. Because once that happened, then other friends of mine's parents wouldn't let their kids play with me because mm. I was the bad kid or I was the this and I was the that. Mm. And so that really started to shape this idea of um, being an outsider, mm. being excluded. There's, is there something wrong with me? I'm different. I'm da 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 da. You know, that, that's. That's amazing 
you bring that up because um, actually just before we started, we were talking about kind of fiction, non-fiction, mm. audible. One of the best audible books I listened to was Keith Richards' autobiography. Mm. And what the thing, it's, a, it's an amazing book, but the thing that stuck out was how he became Keith Richards. And when he was 11, 11, 12, he was, you know, a good student. Like he was, hmm. and he was actually in the school choir. And they were so good that they were, that they used to tour around the country, you know, singing. Wow. And then, and, you know, and there was this choir master. And, um, but then apparently the next year, for some reason, I can't remember what, but they got kicked off the choir. Mm. And he went back to school and the school told him that, hey, you missed all these, you know, lessons because you're touring, singing in the choir. You need to repeat a whole year. And he said in that moment, something switched in him mm. where he went, fuck you guys. Mm -hmm. And then he just became a delinquent. Mm -hmm. And if he didn't find the blues in music, mm. he, he would have become an arch criminal. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's powerful, man. Hmm. The youth I mean, now I've got two young kids of my own and I can already see things things that are shaping them and hmm. and how how you can't control things like that. But this school, wow. Hmm. What a what a messy topic that is and how hmm. how it shapes us yep. in all the wrong ways. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And and uh, actually you, you, you did mention it plug of your book here. Mm. You did mention it in your book how um, kind of the way modern schooling is set up is not very modern at mm -hmm. all. It, it kind of goes back to how factories were set up mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. and how um, I think in your book you mentioned there was a Howard group of 10 or something mm -hmm. like that. That's right. Yeah. Where, um, 1892. Yeah. The committee of 10s that was the then led by the then president of Harvard and they went hmm, how are we going to educate these kids? And there was a lot of models flying around at the time but theirs just seemed to stick and, and the you know the the residue lingered on even to today hmm. let's have classrooms of roughly 30 let's have one teacher let's sit them in rows you know like all of these these relics uh, hmm. are still present today in a lot of ways probably not after the pandemic with the whole virtual hmm. learning and whatever else but hmm. but yeah we're gonna we're gonna decide okay in year one they'll learn these topics in year five we'll move on to that year seven we'll get to this kind of stuff and that really, it's obviously evolved. The content might have evolved a little bit, but the mm -hmm. structure and the, the process, the architecture behind how we were taught mm -hmm. hadn't changed in 100 years. That's, I, I, it's definitely changing, I think, now. Yep. So it's not for parents out there or people with kids in school. Mm. I'm sure it's changing. In fact, mm. I know it is, is a lot, but we mm. were educated very much in that yes, yep. old model. Mm, absolutely and that has had a very it's had an effect i don't want to say harming or anything else it mm. is it's had a big effect and now the world has radically changed so mm. much and every day will continue to but it's there's some stuff we got to shake yep free of mm. if we want to be meaning you know bring this meaningful stuff to our work find more of ourselves and and put more of ourselves mm. put more of our personality into the way that we mm. show up at work yep that's the stuff we got to shed. Yeah, we got some baggage. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And, and also, say going back to that time where uh, th there's this 
another concept that I've been thinking about, uh, and it, I came across it in um, in a book by David Brooks mm. called The Second Mountain, and, and he says, um, where he talks about having a vocation, and he, he labels this the Annunciation Moment, where he said a lot of people that he's researched and interviewed and talked to, in their childhood, they've had something uh, incredible happen to them, usually between the age of six and 12, mm. and that changes their perspective. Mm. And that really kind of then provides them the path of what to follow. Like the example he gives is a naturalist, you know, uh, Edward O. Wilson, like he was, his parents had separated, you know, he was sent to live with relatives in Florida. Mm. And he had just had these vast amount of time where he would walk along the beaches in Florida, the swamps, and just be amazed with the wildlife and, mm. you know, things that he saw there. And that really, you know, convinced him of what he had to do. Like mm -hmm. Einstein, when he was nine, he was given a compass. Mm. And he was so amazed with the needles moving that he thought, yeah, you know. You know what I think about this, though? Yeah. <clears throat> That's the story hmm. they've told themselves and they've reaffirmed that over time. Yep. It's really interesting. You know, The hmm. first impulse I had when you asked me, oh, what's your origin story? I'm like, hmm. oh, no one wants to hear that. Hmm. It's boring. Hmm. No, who cares? Hmm. And I'm like, oh, hang on. No, I am interested in listening to other people's origin stories. And I hmm. even pre-framed it with, oh, if you've heard me talk about this before, you know what I mean? I'm trying to diminish my own story. Exactly. So yeah. I don't really like telling it, but hmm. I know it might be interesting to other people. But I can tell hmm. the wildest, most significant creative crazy story about my life hmm. and i equally i could tell quite a bland you know numb hmm. blase it's the same thing but it's hmm. the story i choose to tell about it yeah einstein gets a compass a lot of kids would have, would have got a compass hmm. a lot of kids actually in that moment would have been just as fascinated as him mm -hmm. but he's used that as a way to Hmm. to empower this internal narrative that's driven his identity. Mm -hmm. And funny, not that we're plugging this book, but the first chapter in it hmm. is called An Identity Crisis. So yep. the book is specifically around creativity, how we can reclaim it. But even hmm. that, I don't see creativity as, as the way that we define it a lot of the time. I think really that's just a, an easy frame. But what I talk about a lot is self-expression. Yep. How can you live from the purest expression of who you are in hmm. every moment? Mm -hmm. And this idea that we don't have a creativity crisis, we have an identity crisis. We mm -hmm. have this, we have all have a story about whether we're creative or not, or whether we're attractive or not, or whether we're intelligent or not, blah, 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 blah. We all have roughly the same capacity to do just about everything mm -hmm. with obviously within reason. Some people are naturally gifted at different things, but it's the story we tell ourselves about. Yep. And the tagline of the first chapter is, it's not your, uh, what is it? It's, uh, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. So for all of us, it wasn't our fault that we might have had something happen in school. Mm -hmm. It wasn't our fault that we might have had parents split up when we were early or we, it was a car accident or who knows what. We've been given mm -hmm. this shit that we've had to overcome and deal with in life. It's not your fault, that stuff. Mm -hmm. It happened, you know, there's the phrase, you know, it didn't happen to you, it happened for you. Mm -hmm. What you choose to make of it mm -hmm. at the at the core is the story you choose to tell yourself about that yep you can frame that in a way that doesn't have to be your twitter bio doesn't mm -hmm. have to be the opening paragraph on your website but just for you is man mm. you know that's you know yeah. you're reclaiming it to yeah. 
and rewriting it. Mm. Well, not even rewriting it. You are choosing to 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 give yourself an architecture, a frame mm. that empowers and lifts and pushes you in the directions that you want to yeah. go in. So absolutely, and I think uh, so. So looking at what you do now, mm. uh, and you know, seeing how you know well regarded and how good you are at it. Uh, I, I suppose my question was more was there like a moment in your early life that led to what you're doing now where many yeah yeah mm. but i but again i think it's equally mm. many moments wherever i would have ended up that kind of reinforced you yeah. you mm. you just it's like shifting the goalposts you can shift the story mm. if i had have ended up being a, a soccer coach mm. I would be able to say exactly the same life that I've lived. Mm-hmm. I would be able to say, well, it was really interesting because when I was seven, yep. I actually met a soccer player. Yep. And mm. uh, it, it was funny because I, I mm. thought I was watching Channel 2, but SBS was on. And it's when I first saw a soccer game. Mm. And I would have reaffirmed that story over mm-hmm. time. That's why I think there's infinite possibilities to our life. Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, there's, there is potentially a singular purpose. Mm-hmm. But we are both... We're both witnessing and observing and allowing that to emerge and we're creating, inventing, you know, manifesting mm. it equally. Th- that's amazing because I think... Um, and, and so what I'm gathering from what you're saying is, is is if your life is not going how you would like it to go, mm-hmm. if, if you feel creatively, creative, creatively you know, stilted, mm-hmm. there is some responsibility on your part to go back to your story and perhaps change the narrative 100 yeah. percent, and mm. so much more empowering like if you mm. it's hard to do but mm. but i think if you bring a lightness to it and a joyful playful um approach mm. what would i do if i rewrote the story if, if my story was a script the screenplay and mm. i was the hero i was the protagonist how mm. would i write them and i do this with leadership teams mm-hmm. how would i write my story mm-hmm. what are the significant moments okay where's the story arc what happens mm-hmm. in the first scene mm-hmm. what oh you know wife left me great oh that's mm-hmm. we can use that instead of being used by it you know what i mean like yeah. you get to reclaim it and rewrite it and it's yeah. all just a fabrication it's all just fun mm. so you can take the emotional charge out of it but it can be a way to heal some trauma mm-hmm. it can be a way to reframe blockages mm-hmm. and i mean uh, you know Funnily enough, the, I saw the Ryan, um, Ryan, whatever. Holiday. The, yeah, yep. Obstacle is the Way. So yeah. that's the chapter yeah. of the second book. We're doing lots of plugs here. <laughs> but it is, it, it's really using, mm. sh- shifting to, it's kind of Carol Dweck, growth mindset stuff, but shifting yep. to everything is not happening to you, it's happening for you. That's very mm. Anthony Robbins. But if you can get to a point where you see, ah, oh, I can use this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is happening. Like this is... This is the script, man. Yep. This is Act mm. Three. Yep. I'm meant to have the big dark night of the soul right now. Mm. Oh, mm. cool! Because then on the other side of this, mm. there's the great challenge that I have to overcome, and then I come through with flying cut, like yep. the whole Joseph Campbell, all of that. Yeah, whatever mm. you need it to be. Yep. Because it's all a game. Mm. Like at the end of the day, it might not be for you. It might not feel like that if you're going through something difficult, or if you're mm. in a boring job and you don't know how to get out. It's like cool. Mm. That's one chapter. Yeah. You know, where mm. do you want to take it next? Yeah. So, so then looking at your story, uh, 
say during this rough time when you know you got kicked out of school and mm. you know all of this happening jazz came into your life mm-hmm. um what what did that instigate in you like what, what many layers to that i think i think mm. on one very on a cellular level there's something mm. that i need to return to because it's i had i had don't have as much music in my life as i used to like i would listen mm. to it every single night going to bed wake up day da, da, every time we get in the car cassette mixtapes all of this it was so present in my life and i do think that on a cellular level mm-hmm. the vibrations the the resonant you know the, these motifs rhythms and and melodies and harmony and stuff i do think was altering me on a cellular level and i think mm-hmm. it does for all people mm-hmm. and we don't have it enough in our life and we listen to it compressed through spotify and shitty little earphones mm-hmm. but if we had if it wasn't just background ambient stuff it was stuff that we really sat with and we allowed our brains to listen and go wow what is, is that a cowbell in it that is fuck mm-hmm. that's a cowbell in the background there and the you know letting it work on us i mm-hmm. think we would probably culturally live a lot different to how we are so i think on, mm-hmm. a, on music really had that kind of an impact mm-hmm. i think the cultural impact of music in terms of um taking taking life mm-hmm. and going i'm i'm gonna be inspired or curious or f- or fascinated by a particular thing mm-hmm. and i'm gonna go into that thing mm-hmm. and i'm gonna take I'm going to process it myself and then I'm going to almost gift back to the world what it gave to me mm-hmm. in musical form mm-hmm. with lyrics or without. But it's this, it's this honoring, this gratitude process where I would, you can hear it in artists and certainly me playing. It was always mm-hmm. like, it's so generous, mm-hmm. you know, music is just so generous. And that had a real big impact on like a bigger, a bigger, way to hold life and to be with life mm-hmm. as opposed to it being there's something about the, the mystery mm-hmm. of music the mystery of nature of looking up at the sky of looking in an old growth forest of, under the ocean I remember the first time going diving and seeing mm-hmm. you know the and just thinking what the fuck is mm-hmm. this yep. there's more mm-hmm. life down here than up there <laughs> like whoa and I yeah, it, mm-hmm. that those kind of moments where you do just feel so beautifully in a not inadequate, but insignificant Mm -hmm. and yet wholly a part of the whole thing. Music does that. So I think that that was, there were very big, rich concepts happening Mm. to a kid. And you're so open as a kid. So it was Mm. really absorbing them early Mm. and not thinking about them. It was all feel, 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 which I think really shaped a lot of, Mm. of my life. But I would say if people out there are listening going, oh, this sounds so cool. I wish I had more music in my life as a kid. The same, it's just go and listen to an album after this podcast mm. and listen to it. Yep. Like put on mm. an album, start to finish, not a playlist, mm-hmm. not three and a half minute songs on da da da. Like go and mm. listen to a classic album the way it's meant to be listened to mm-hmm. and then do it again tomorrow. Mm. Another one. And do it again the next day. And make mm. that a, if you made that a ritual, yep. you don't have to think or learn or become or grow or discover or work at your own evolution Mm. let the fucking music do it for you yeah let music do the heavy lifting let nature do the heavy lifting like we don't have to be trying to better ourselves all the time Mm -hmm. there are technologies that have been available since the dawn of time that are very sophisticated Mm. that have mastered the whole game Mm -hmm. that have growth hacked Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. growth yeah (laughs) it's called the stars yeah go and look at them yeah you know have a hang around a campfire with a few friends and don't talk about 
professional development. Yeah. Throw stones at a, at a in a river. Hmm. Like it's beautiful stuff, man. Yeah. It's uh, these things, and I, I guess it's fortunate alongside of the music, you know, camping, we spent a lot of time, we think about this with my kids now and mm. very fortunate we spent a lot of time, my dad's a sailor, mum loves being out in the bush, so mm-hmm. nature, man. Yeah. You know, we just being in it. Yeah. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to take notes. You don't have to work on your mindfulness exercises and like just fucking go and sit in nature for a bit. Yeah. It, it's working on you. Yep. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's incredible. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> Uh, but also, so just just uh, going back to that. So jazz comes into your life; it kind of blows your mind. You, you for like from a cellular level, mm. um, and then you decide that this is what you want to do. So just from your earlier earlier part of okay, you were perhaps undisciplined, or you know, as a, mm-hmm. in school and so on. How did you then find the discipline to like practice and you know? Got to find the joy in it, yeah. and and mm. to be clear, also I wanted to be an actor. Mm. Music wasn't the driving force; that was almost the the byproduct. But if I look back, I was teenagers and da da da, and football and school and stuff. Mm. Acting just it, it probably I wasn't courageous enough, I wasn't brave enough mm-hmm. to follow acting. It felt like a bit more dangerous of a path. But that was certainly it. it was like oh, I guess I'll do music then, mm. and then music became something that I've loved. Mm. But because it wasn't everything to me Mm. I didn't apply myself as some other people had Mm. Um, but when I was when I was less about trying to perfect a particular thing and more Mm. about unknowingly but Mm. but unconsciously but there was some other when I was when you can find the joy in it Mm -hmm. so I would play for four hours at a time Mm. on just just playing stuff you know improvising Mm. I've always Mm. just improvised I never did read the page it was yep. like yeah i'm gonna do my thing <laughs> mm. but you just get in these meditative states and i remember when mindfulness mm. started becoming a thing 10 years ago whenever i was like huh yeah i've been doing that for 30 years because mm. i just sit there and let my fingers and slow your breathing and mm. but i think if you're trying really hard to get somewhere mm. um i don't know it's an interesting conversation mm. how did i you know, not all. Sometimes you'd find the discipline to practice because you wanted to prove something. Mm-hmm. You know, ego. Mm-hmm. It's not sustainable, but that's that can be a very powerful driving force. Mm. Of uh, I'm going to be really fucking good at this, <laughs> or I'm going to get a record deal, or I'm going to yeah. be cool, or I'm going to be accepted, yeah. or I've got to do this, otherwise no one will like me, mm. or I've got to keep up with the other musos because I studied jazz at the con, and so you know. They're better than me, so I'm going to practice to be as good as them because then mm. I'll be cool and accepted. And that never works either. But if yeah. you can find the what fascinates you in what you're doing mm. and care less about what others are doing, yep. it's very trite and cliche, but it's very true, mm. then you will... Yeah, that'll matter less. Mm. And it might take you on another... Well, it's guaranteed to take you on a whole other pathway and your sound, metaphorically mm. speaking, your voice, the style that you play your music slash career slash relationships in will look and feel different to everyone else's. Mm-hmm. But but it'll be, it'll turn heads mm. because you're not trying to. Yep. People yeah. go, man, I love your sound. You know, sound being a metaphor for you living your life. Yeah. Wow, how did you end up doing what you do? Mm. Oh, because I stopped trying to compare and, 
you know, compete with everyone else. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's some real truth to that because, um, I mean, I'm not a musician, but I'm a huge fan of music. And we've had, you know, lots of conversations mm-hmm. on the Beatles and the Stones yeah. and you know, all of that. <laughs> and, and Elvis, you're a big Elvis fan. And Elvis, yeah. oh yeah, huge Elvis fan. Yeah. And that's true, like all of these people, they, because I've read, you know, uh, the biographies, all of them didn't set out to be a musician. Mm-hmm. They just fell into it either because like they had burnt bridges to the real world, like this was the only thing they could do. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> just the pure love of it, like the Stones were just in love with the blues and that's all that they could think about mm-hmm. 24-7. This, and this comes back mm. to the story though, like what we were talking about earlier. Mm. We've got to remember Hollywood the music industry, all of these things, they're mm. selling us yep. on these artists. Mm. It's a very romantic, nostalgic thing. Oh, wow, the yeah. story of how that all happened. In mm. reality, if you were there at the time, um, it might feel a whole lot more ordinary in these key moments, mm-hmm. but it becomes a, oh, were you there when XYZ happened? Mm. And that, that helps to sell records. So I'm not yep. trying to um, diminish it in any way, mm. but I think we can learn from it. Yep. And be oh cool, without a without a a cheap marketing advertising spin mm-hmm. and putting that on our lives, but we can reclaim more of our story and enjoy at least at least in the secrecy of our own mind. Mm. Oh yeah, like I completely acknowledge there's a huge success bias where, like, say in the tech sector, you see the Zuckerbergs and the 100%. Jack Dorseys and so on, but you don't see the ten thousand others who've. Hundred percent failed, yep. and it's the same with with music, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is success like in that mm. context? Would anyone on the planet right now want to be Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you really think, what would success mean to me? A lot mm. of people would, but I dare say, once they got there, they'd be like, "Whoa, mm. I don't want to be Fuck responsible this. for this." Yeah. But now I'm addicted to it. Mm. Power corrupts, and all of this stuff, and money, mm. and political you know stuff and mm. and I'm 30 what is he 37 or something ridiculous who wants that yeah like if we yeah. really got clear mm. and and now what a great time I mean for this podcast but mm. what a great time for all of us to just mm. go off the back of a pandemic we're still in it okay what do I want here yep. so I really strip mm. this back and and if I if we try really hard to take the expectation, to take the comparison, mm-hmm. to take the, the judgment or this self-inflicted or, or culturally imposed idea of what success is. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be married at this point. I've got to have this much in the bank. I'm meant to look like that. The house, the fence. All of that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've heard about this so much and we watch and we listen and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> it's not a new concept for everyone listening to this podcast, but mm. to really strip that back is, is a lot of the work we have to do in the modern age mm. is to undo our conditioning yep. and then have the discipline to keep it undone mm. and keep undoing it mm. and then having the courage to make small medium large choices that are mm-hmm. just inching us closer to this yep. to our values to our purpose even if we don't know what our purpose is mm. or if anyone ever does it's just something that you know you kind of mm. I don't know it emerges yep. through making ah, it doesn't feel right I'm going to go that way instead mm. that's the, yeah 
Anyway, so so going back to to your story. So at this like where we left off, you were a musician, like mm. like that became a thing, mm-hmm. and you were making a living from being a mm-hmm. musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were traveling the world. Yep, a little bit of not so much the world, but I, I would travel the world. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I would do gigs overseas. It never it was never uh, successful enough that a band was taken overseas, but I would yeah. then perform in other countries. Yeah, mm. and then I was a busker for a year. On the in Melbourne, mm-hmm. yeah, in it was about nine months. So me and the band that I was with, the band and I, I should say proper English. My grandmother would pull me <laughs> up on. Um, yeah, it's only the King's English in the spot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, and we mm-hmm. we yeah we kind of hit a bit of a not a creative block, but just a little bit of like we needed to shake it up. So we said, yeah. all right, what would be super confronting to us as jazz musicians that weren't playing jazz? It was kind mm-hmm. of electro pop at the time. Well, why don't we perform on the street? And we got these mm. batteries and inverters and we would take drum kits and loop pedals and keyboards and guitars out on Swanson Street. This is, I don't know. God, when was this? This would be 12 years ago, man. Like, I don't wow. even know. Yeah. 13 years ago, we'd get our busking license. And uh, yeah, 13, probably 13, 14 years ago. And we, um, Jesus, that's kind of crazy to think. Mm. We would sell, we'd make 2,000 bucks in an hour hmm. in 2007, 2008. I, I know. We'd do a gig at a pub and we'd yeah. get 100 bucks each. Yep. And then we were like, whoa, well, let's keep doing this. Yeah. And so we stopped booking. Just through people. Buying CDs. My brother would yeah. come and sell CDs for us. He'd just sit on, yeah. we'd get a bunch of dumplings hmm. from, the, from Chinatown. <laughs> we'd set up our gear and then it'd be like, all right, quarter to seven, lights are kind of going down. Hmm. All right, let's give it a crack. We'd do a set. We'd get people dancing. We'd have 250 people dancing on Swanson Street. Amazing. We eventually got blacklisted and mm. shut down and we weren't allowed to do it anymore because we would basically start a street party on a Friday night. But then we went up to Sydney a couple of times and we'd do gigs in front of the Opera House and we'd pick mm. little corners. Amazing the subculture, you know, when you go in different pockets of life that you don't mm. know about. You're like, oh, there's all these rules mm-hmm. to busking mm. and there's some that are that are... Um, overt and some mm-hmm. that are kind of hidden and you've got to figure out yourself but you you, you get to know the spots yep. and the corners and you can figure you look for you look for junctions where there's you know long traffic light signals where people are stuck for a while and you mm-hmm. look for places where there's an ATM mm-hmm. so you know that a lot of people will go oh yeah throughout the course of the night that'll be but there's enough space for them to also yeah. fascinating yep but then to think, wow, we were purely making a living from if you aren't engaged mm. within 10... It takes you 12 seconds to walk past us. Mm-hmm. So you've, we got 12 seconds to engage you. Mm-hmm. Then we've got you for a minute. Yep. And if we don't engage you in that minute, it's gone. you're gone. So we've mm-hmm. got to keep you... We're, now we've got to somehow keep you to a point mm. where you feel compelled to either throw some money in the guitar case or come up and buy a CD. And Damn. if you're not engaging them, you don't get paid. It's almost a lesson in funnel marketing. <laughs> and you know what it's a lesson in when mm. a pandemic hits yep. and mm. the whole world gets thrown up. Mm. How are you going to create value? Mm. How are you going to stay relevant? How are you going to hold the attention or, or meaningfully engage people that they're mm. going to want to part with some of their hard earned to keep mm. you afloat? Yep. And that, that is uh, what an awesome training. Mm. You know, there's no there's no salary. Yeah, you you live and die every mm. ten seconds mm. by how engaging you can be. 
fucking awesome. That's incredible. I love that stuff, yeah. man. And it's I, so it's so invigorating. Sorry to just jam on that for a bit, but no, no, it's, please. It's yeah. incredibly. There's a. There is such a. There is such a. You're learning in those kind of ways, and this is something I'd love to invite your listeners to do. Mm. Find things that challenge the hell out of you that mm. are terrifying and scary and whatever else but that you couldn't possibly know in your rational logical brain how mm. much you're learning mm-hmm. there is so much embodied learning that's taking place mm-hmm. so i can see that there's a couple you know there might be 12 people standing around mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can see one guy really tapping his head. Mm-hmm. And there's another girl with a big smile on her face. And I'm like, if I can just get the... This is all instinctually happening in seconds. Mm-hmm. If I can get one of them to start dancing, I, can, I reckon I can get the other one. And then if I got two, mm-hmm. then I can get six. And if I got six people dancing out of 12 and there's 20 walking past, then mm-hmm. I'm going to get 10 of those people walking past to stop. And suddenly then we've got 30 people with four people dancing. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I reckon we can... So all of this is going on. Mm. faster than my rational brain can be computing that information yeah so instinct is like grab the mic walk out lie on the floor Mm. of swanson street sing up looking to the you know or Mm. or dance with them give Mm. them the mic get Mm -hmm. them to sing do something walk out on the street all instinctual Mm -hmm. trusting courage go go i feel ridiculous oh they're going to go with me oh humiliating who cares just Mm. do it do it do it do it what I am learning or what we learn when we're in those kind of environments is so it's you're baking it into your cells mm. you're mm. not it's not an imprint in your brain it's not theoretical mm. it's embodied yeah. and it lives in you so that then mm. the next time you're in any kind of environment like that that doesn't have to be it's not busking on a street it could be you're with a bunch of CEOs in a boardroom mm. mm-hmm. and you can feel like that experience, that expertise is going to come through in the way that you respond in that moment. Mm-hmm. It's not something you read and learnt. Mm. It's something that you lived mm-hmm. and that you weren't even aware of how much you were being taught. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. how do we create more of those environments? And I think the, the right behind that is there's no way to put yourself in, there's no way to safely learn those things. You've got to test your comfort zone. It's absolutely yeah. outside your comfort zone. Mm. Like it, it's a, it's terrifying mm. and horrible and vulnerable <laughs> and shit, you know, like, cause you can fall flat on your face. But, but that is such an important lesson and kind of to tie it to marketing again, it's, it's kind of what Seth Gordon calls the purple cow mm-hmm. in that, you know, you see, you know, black and white cows every day, but you, if you see a purple cow, it'll stick in your memory. Yeah. But to do that, you have to have that, that courage and, mm-hmm. Courage is everything, man. Yeah, and and I think that where the more I get, the, a lot of the work I do with these with with businesses, with teams, leadership teams, all that kind of stuff, mm. it is all about courage. Mm. How can you be courageous enough to drop the mask, yeah. to share that idea? Not during quarantine, but you know. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to be a little more vulnerable, blah yeah, blah, yeah. blah 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 blah. Mm. But then trying to recognize, like, we will always arrive at this point, whether it's an hour session, whether it's a three month, six nine month program, whatever it is, mm. it will always be, guys. You've got such an advantage here being part of a team. Mm. If you can all get alignment around what we're doing here and recognize that every single one of us is trying to to better ourselves and and you know develop ourselves and Hmm. be more meaningful engaged but also contribute more and discover more about who we are and all of that stuff and that that requires a courageous choice Mm -hmm. 
and that you you're confronting that needing to make those courageous choices that for you yeah if you can recognize that every single other person around you is going through the same thing mm-hmm. don't worry about yours mm-hmm. focus on theirs yeah and if they don't worry about theirs mm. and focus on empowering you mm. then you're covered yep so if you're like, but everyone around you is going, hey man, just want to remind you, fucking be courageous, go for mm. it. I got your back. You're right here. You're like, oh my god. Grab the mic and lay down on Swanson Street. You don't have yeah. to worry about being mm. courageous anymore because you're mm. being held, supported, championed, lifted by the people around you. Mm-hmm. I think this is such a, this is such a, you know, watershed moment for teams to recognise. And mm-hmm. I would say to them quite often, like guys, get how good this is. I take a band with me as much as possible doing this work with, with cultures and leadership mm-hmm. teams because mm-hmm. I don't want to do it solo. Mm-hmm. It's, it's boring. It's hard. It's lonely. It's all these things. Yep. Doing it in a group, mm. it, it, the compound exponential impact mm. of that is so much grander. And then with all this work on like how do we get our team to work better, blah, 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 it's like, man, get the gift. Mm. You're not doing it on your own. Mm. You don't have to necessarily be responsible for your own growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do, but... These people can be there for you. They can, mm. hey, man, are you getting a bit confronted? Because I just got to remind you, you're mm. fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Thanks, man. Mm. I didn't. Even, I wasn't even aware that I was starting to revert back to, I suck. I'm not very good at this. No mm. one likes me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in comp, whatever the story is. And you could see me starting to do it. And then you're giving me the courage to step further into the fire. Mm-hmm. <sighs> It's unstoppable. Yeah. The world's unstoppable with that. Yep. Um, I, by the way, I just want to say, I love the way the, the format of this is going on. It's not linear at all. We're going back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I love it because I think every aspect of your story has, you know, a bombshell of wisdom in it. So... <laughs> I want to. I want one day. I'm looking forward to who's going to interview you for your story, and I'd like to put my hand up for that. So that can be maybe I don't know. Yeah. Whatever episode. <laughs> An- yeah. Another five or ten or whenever the season ends. But I would love to be the you in this mm. scenario. All right. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's do it. Or maybe we could get like a bunch of your previous guests mm. to do a collective podcast where That'd we're be all awesome. just. Compare asking, stories and well, no, it's yeah. just about you. Yeah. But it's all these like trying to draw out these interesting things from you and your story. That'd be that'd cool. be cool. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's my version of lying down on Swanson Street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and we do it live. We get 150 people in a room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, all right, so musician, and then you had this. Um, was, was it a breakout moment where you thought, I had enough, I need to see the world? It was at 30, yeah. When, yeah. I, when I got to 30, it was still living in a share house with mm-hmm. a bunch of guys, and that was cool. It's in Melbourne. I traveled a few times overseas, big trips mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it was Sorry, just, yep. Yep. And it was just more like, uh, it was, it was, I was in a toxic relationship at the time. It was really, mm-hmm. a, okay, something's got to shift here. Yep. I am willing to throw it all up literally sold everything i kept two keyboards mm-hmm. um put them in storage and then sold my van sold my bed sold my this sold everything and then went to india mm. and then was i had an intention that i might end up in berlin mm-hmm. and had the german working visa and yeah i'll go there and just see what happens mm. very terrifying mm. you know looking back trying to put putting yourself back in that 
plane trip Mm -hmm. and sitting there of like, here we go again. (laughs) All right. I'm about Mm. to wander around the world on my own again Mm. with no idea Mm -hmm. of have I blown it? Like, have I missed the boat? Everyone now has got houses and careers and jobs. Have I... I had all this potential. Have I... Yeah. Oh, maybe I didn't have all this potential. Maybe I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not as talented as I thought I was. Maybe yeah. I'm... Then maybe this is a loser move. Mm. You know, mate, all of these things. And then also, oh, but I'm going to go to India. Mm. I'm doing cool stuff again. But then like, oh, but is this running away? Mm-hmm. Am I not confronting something? Is this... Am I going to be like that living on my dad's couch mm-hmm. when I'm... 60 mm-hmm. you know or whatever mm. so there's no yeah there was plenty every stage of my story mm. has been equal parts in fact i'd probably say the majority of is this the wrong thing for me to be doing have i fucked it up already mm-hmm. do i actually know what i'm doing here mm. why are they doing it better they seem so much cooler or mm-hmm. None of it has been blissfully, joyfully mm-hmm. peaceful. You know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. hasn't been it hasn't been a romantic Hollywood story. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's been conflict and self doubt mm-hmm. and confusion and and pain and trauma and mm. and regret and disappointment. You know, rejection, like mm-hmm. all of these things, the vast majority of my story, which I think is, forms the vast majority of everyone's story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is just, yeah, going back to what we began this podcast with, which is, is it's happening for you. Mm. Did you have that perspective back then when it was, when you were in the... I think so, yeah. I think that's, yeah. that is one of the things I'm, I'm grateful for that I think I'd that does keep me anchored and maybe this is still a story mm-hmm. maybe this is still um you know a choice that i'm making and mm-hmm. i just made it very early on mm-hmm. but i do feel that very early on i had some i had a distaste for the status quo for the establishment before i even knew what it was mm-hmm. There was like why do we have to do it that way mm-hmm. i was more interested in why not mm-hmm. not even why it was kind of like cool i get why but why not do it this way? Well, mm. why not do something else? But then I also had this deep sense of, of there's something bigger than me. Mm. There's something bigger going mm. on here than this thing that everyone's busy doing called life. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that has kept me in good stead, kept me growing, mm. I think. Yeah, I think just from what I've, from what I've seen since I've known you is kept you curious as well like mm-hmm. i think you're always kind of educating yourself you know reading books that are kind of yeah outside of what you would normally yeah you know in, in your profession what you would normally search for mm. um j- just on that so like in india did, did anything come up that <laughs> every fucking day <laughs> i mean every everywhere in the world right yeah, yeah, being yeah, anywhere yeah. other than where you are mm. But India's a trip, man. Like, yeah. I, And I, I recommend when we can travel again, people go there. I haven't been to the Middle East, but I think I'd really like to. Not mm-hmm. I think, I would really like to. Again, the further, the more you can put yourself in, in cultures that are as far away from what you're used to, 
the better. Yep. Because it, it opens parts of your brain. Mm-hmm. It opens parts of your soul where you're like, oh, this, you know, I've seen this on TV. I've read mm-hmm. about this, but being the smell, mm-hmm. you know, the, the texture of the air, the, you can be, you can be on a train and have the sweetest, most beautiful man talking to you. And mm-hmm. then you realize later they ripped you off blind. Mm-hmm. And then you are <laughs> quite disrespectful to someone that afternoon because you're frustrated about this guy that ripped you off. And then mm-hmm. you realize, oh my God, they just saved my life. Mm. I don't understand this fucking country. <laughs> I will never understand. I was born there and I still don't understand it. And yeah. what, how, how amazing is that? Like it mm. is... It is another planet in a beautiful way, mm-hmm. which I think is so. When we're getting now this ubiquitous Western, white, mm-hmm. you know, homogenized culture driven by tech, mm-hmm. to go to places that are like, oh no, 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 that yeah. doesn't work here. You're no, on no, our the head check. Yeah, no, no, no. You're on our time. <laughs> you know, uh, where, do you, can you guys tell me where I can get some, you know, petrol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go down that one, then you take a left, then you go a right, then you go a left, and you go a right, and then you go there and you ask someone else. And then, yeah, you know, you go back this way, you go right, then go back to the same, the first guy you asked. Yeah, yeah. And then you go, hey man, you said to go, oh no, 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 sorry, what I meant was you go that way, and you're like, that's yeah. the complete opposite <laughs> yeah. to what you just told me. It's just awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's. Mm. I mean, there's a community there called Oroville that I ended up discovering and I stayed mm. for five weeks. You know, you go to these places for a night and you end up meeting a people. And, and that was, um, it was a community built in the 60s by a woman called the mother, mm-hmm. a French woman and a, an Indian sage called Sri Arubindu. And they came together to build this, it was like this futuristic society, mm-hmm. very Buckminster Fuller, you know. Mm. And they wanted to have 70,000 people living this completely sustainable thing they built this matramandir which is a golden kind of like the epcot center in the states it was mm-hmm. a golden golf ball and inside it you would walk up these chambers and inside there was a a, a like a, a meditation hub you know circle circular mm-hmm. room with the largest crystal in the southern hemisphere in the roof and mm-hmm. when the first rays of the sun's light would come up over the east it would hit this crystal mm-hmm. and beam this light like a star wars film in the center of the room and then yeah. you would meditate on it wow trippy as right yeah. in the middle of a desert in southern india like you're like That's incredible. where am i this place <laughs> you know it's just yeah. so bizarre mm-hmm. everyone lived there where if you were accepted into the community you'd take a year or so to be accepted and rara they didn't have money it was yep. all trade mm-hmm. so it was all ah oh, you tend to you tend to the strawberries and bananas and this person they literally get a salary mm. being a philosopher yep and they walk around and think about the universe and then they would host a monthly talk mm-hmm. and then they'd get their little salary mm-hmm. to live and exist and it was you just cruise around on motorbikes meeting the most fascinating people mm. and then there was a subculture underneath i think there was a bit of a sex culture mm. going on there was some you know, other dodgy shit there always mm. is with humans. Yep. You know, so you just again the mm. the contrast and the this melting pot of extremes mm. is so is so important for expanding your mm. experience. Yep. And your your yeah of what's possible in life. Mm. And I think. So, so from that, then you like what ended that experience in India, and what visa, visa, and yeah. how, how did you think about your next step? 
Uh, it was very choice and chance. Like it mm. was uh, not ready to go to Europe yet. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Southeast Asia, spend mm. some time on a beach. The girl that I was with came and met me. It was kind of a toxic thing, but then we, mm. you know, I was like, oh, we're in Thailand. Oh, let's go to Vietnam. Oh, let's go to Cambodia. Oh, I ended up on a beach very mm. just day by day. Mm-hmm. And then on that beach was, uh a lot of foreigners own bars here. Mm. They got chatting and then, huh, you just, you know, very easy to get a business visa here. Mm. And then 10 days later, bought a bar, you know? Wow. Yeah. On a beach in Cambodia. On a beach in Cambodia, made entirely out of straw and bamboo, about eight meters from the water. Selling dollar cans. Selling dollar cans. <laughs> about 50 cents and then we put the price up to a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah. you know the if you can think about the classic or many people that would have backpacked through cambodia or Mm -hmm. or central america and come across these places where you're like oh my god how did you end up living here with the Mm. bar i became that guy Mm -hmm. i never had a dream to be that guy Mm. it was just it was a choice yeah you put yourself in these bizarre circumstances and if you're again if you if you've got nothing to lose, like it was very much that period of my life was, a, mm. I got nothing to lose. Mm. I don't have kids. I don't have mortgage. I don't have any idea what I'm supposed to do next. Mm. I don't know what I'm here for. Yeah. Fuck it. I, I'll do this for a bit. I suppose like living that lifestyle can be quite intoxicating and can be quite, um, what's the word? Maybe laissez-faire where right? you just go on from day to day and then, hey, it's 15 years later, you know. That was part yeah. of the reason I got out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You see the people that are there longer term. There's also a lot of drugs flying around and mm. everyone's smoking and drinking and you see quite attractive people. Mm. They're vibrant and they're healthy and they're tanned because they never wear a shirt and they're athletic and they're doing... And then they, the longer they stay there, they, they get a bit gaunt mm. and the eyes sink back in the head and they're you know, not making the best lifestyle choices... And then you're like, oh, you haven't aged well. Yeah. This has not been a good thing for you. Yep. And mm. uh, yeah, it's funny. Mm. Yeah, that that was, that was became very apparent very early on. It was mm. like, hmm, yeah, if you want to do this well, you've got to be really disciplined around lifestyle choices because it's, mm-hmm. everyone's breezing through for a party. Yep. Hey, we're mm. on this isolated beach and it's, perfect every day and mm. it's let's just get pissed and swim at midnight <laughs> in the nude and but if that's your every day yeah yeah and even tied mm. to if you're doing that if you can generate a party people spend more at your bar so that's mm. actually like a it's beneficial it's beneficial yeah. the more that you party yep then it can be yeah you can uh, and i think maybe in 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 my mind like that's like that situation is people's ideal. Like that's what they save up for retirement. Like mm-hmm. when I retire, I'm going to live on a beach. But then you do that for more than a couple of weeks or a couple mm-hmm. of months. Mm-hmm. And it becomes unbearable almost. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny, like yep. there's this novel called The Unbearable Lightness of Being. I love it. Yeah. Milan Kundera. Milan Kundera. Yeah. And I haven't read the book, yeah. but I, I just read the description of why he called it the unbearable lightness of being. Yeah. And it's exactly that. It is. It, like, the more lighter you are, the more free you are. Sometimes, after a while, that gets unbearable. And what you really need is constraints mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. discipline and pressure. And, you know, yeah. 
that's what makes life the sweaty yeah. hot mess of the marketplace hundred mm. percent like a blank canvas is terrifying to any artist mm-hmm. give us some constraint here yeah like a, mm-hmm. a the first page of a novel is like just write <laughs> that first sentence and mm-hmm. then we're away mm. the same I think with a life yeah we we spend our life trying to get out of these constraints mm. mortgages and or pressures or oh, if only i had this then i could do what i really want to do mm. but yeah but yeah it's not always the case yep okay now mm. you can do what you want to do and then you do it and you're like oh, oh. what next yeah <laughs> cocktails on the beach well wasn't you, and you, I, yeah. you know where that how that manifests in that example for um for example the the beach and stuff is the drama mm. so then you see people when there's nothing to do but live on a beach and, and their little health kick wears off mm. then they just get into drama with each other mm. and this one sleeps with that one and then that mm. one did this and then that one should have done this and then it's and then that becomes what consumes them mm-hmm. and you're like huh you this is an awful big heavy thing you're you've created mm-hmm. to occupy your mind mm-hmm. when there's nothing else to occupy your mind yeah but you will always have an occupied mind. Mm. I remember doing some training many years ago and it was all around, um, you will always expand to, you know, your, the problem that you're trying to solve, mm. you will always expand to the edges of that and it mm. will always feel like it's a little bit too much for you. Mm-hmm. So if all you're concerned about, and this is no, not trying to diminish anyone's experience, but if, you're, if your thing in life is I want to be, uh, have a clean house and, and, well-groomed kids Mm -hmm. when the place is a mess Mm. and the kids are doing this stuff Mm. and you haven't got dinner on it's Mm. like that's Mm. you're at your capacity if you're i'm going to end child slavery Mm -hmm. then the fact you haven't got dinner on for the kids Mm -hmm. is quite irrelevant (laughs) you know what i mean yeah because Mm. whatever Mm. I'm solving a bigger problem. So I, mm. I will expand to that. So everything inside of that, all the other little challenges and problems of life mm. become really minute. Yep. Now, it's not to say that everyone needs to declare inauthentically that they want to save the world in some way. Mm. But if we do, this maybe this aligns with purpose and meaningful work, is if we can expand what it is we're out to mm. change or how we want to impact culture or a difference we want to make without sounding trite and cliche... What's something that we really want to help with mm. that's bigger than our little dramas of life? It's bigger yeah. than us, essentially. Mm. Mm. And something that maybe we can never achieve. Mm. Instead of that being debilitating, that actually can help mm. the here and now. Exactly. So it's, kind of, it's like Jim Collins talks about this and the way he put it was having a core purpose. Mm-hmm. And that's like your North Star that you'll always will be chasing mm. that you can never accomplish and like in the examples he gives is, is around business and for example disney's core purpose is to make people happy mm. simple but impossible really but everything they do is towards that towards that goal mm. yeah yeah it's beautiful mm. yeah um and i think so then you, you made like the tough decision to wind that up, wind up that bar, mm. give up the, the beach lifestyle and sort of come back to reality. Mm-hmm. That also must have been scary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, big time. Yep. Yeah. 
And I think this is where our stories intersect. Because mm-hmm. then you got a job with... Inspire9. Actually, firstly, like the story on how you got that job is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I was, well, first I was packing boxes in a, my friend's mother's book warehouse. Mm-hmm. And it was 20 bucks cash an hour. And it was like, oh, here I am. I think I was 33. Uh, and I'd come back from this adventure and... Mm-hmm. I was a nobody, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, do a few gigs, I guess. Didn't mm-hmm. want to go down that path too much, getting hundred bucks doing a gig. And yeah, I'll just pack boxes three days a week and wait and see what happens. And Eddie Haran, who you know, mm-hmm. Eddie said, oh, there's a gig going here. And, and I was like, oh, I remember Nathan and, and Melina from Trampoline and stuff years ago. And uh, yeah, put this little video together to get that gig. And then that was my first real job, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, which was certainly not a real job by any means, mm-hmm. but running around a couple of floors in a cool co-working space, meeting people and connecting and throwing little events and whatever else. But that was the beginnings of, hmm, this world. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. daytime hours, mm-hmm. people working together, they're building things, da-da-da-da-da. It wasn't my entry into corporate at all, but it was mm-hmm. the, the entry into startups and that kind of thing. And... Yeah, there was, I was curious about it mm-hmm. and I was curious, I think at that point also it probably coincided with, with I was ready to create things again. I'd always put events together and, and brought people together to mm-hmm. kind of shift energy and shift thinking and now it felt to me like this vast fields mm-hmm. of potential because I saw all these events or companies or people working jobs and stuff and thinking, man so much more you could be doing with this. Mm. You know, you're spending a third of your life in this thing. Mm. And it doesn't, it, I, I'm not feeling as though I would feel when I'm busking in front of an opera house. Mm. I don't feel this sense of, you know, buying a bar in Cambodia. I don't feel, now it's not to say that those things are better, mm. but the aliveness, the vibrancy, the, the danger, the, the adventure. Mm-hmm. And it was like, man, how do you bring more of that because that's when I was at my best. Yep. A little out of, out of your comfort zone, a little mm. bit terrified, new, exciting. Mm. How do we bring more of that into this environment where mm-hmm. it feels almost sometimes the counter opposite to that? It's static, mm-hmm. it's monotonous, it's safe, mm-hmm. and it's let's get another policy around it because it can't be dangerous because mm-hmm. we'll get sued mm-hmm. or uh, shut down. or you know. So it's kind of how do we... The constraints of well, how can we bring that sense of adventure or intimacy or or, um, or or just that that sense of like depth, mm-hmm. you know, like whoa, like we were talking about music earlier, where yeah. music just affects you, you know, a f f e c t, it has an mm-hmm. effect on you. Mm-hmm. How do we bring that into this? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where that game started. Yeah, it's it's funny. So, so I, I also got a job at Inspire Nine as mm. community manager, <laughs> and for me it was because prior to that, it was in a corporate mm. job, and then I did a little f- freelancing gigs here and there. But for me, working at, at Inspire Nine, it was kind of like that cantina scene in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was like, who are these weirdos? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's great. Yeah. Uh, but it, but table tennis, table tennis, Whitney bean Houston. bags, yeah. music blaring. Um, yeah. And for me, I was like, oh, this is this is like what normal people must do. Yeah. <laughs> There you go, narratives. Huh? Yeah. Um, but but also, I think, say, observing you you there as well, I think um, one thing you did do was really kind of influence the culture in a way. Like, we had this messaging board and just the messages you put up there, just the language that you use. Mm. I really feel kind of influenced how mm. people behaved. Mm. And, and then you define this term called cultural architect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What what does that mean? Like, how did you come to designing? That? Yeah, yeah. The, the tagline was the art and science of vibe design. Mm. So how you can architect a culture, mm-hmm. and not in a sense of of how it normally. Yeah, that was really beautiful. It was a beautiful time to be able to build out that thought leadership. I guess that 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 mm. IP around. Not that I own it, but it, mm. that it was like cool. How do you get all these? individuals in all of these teams that are actually all these separate organizations mm. humming in together. the one space yeah yeah, yeah. and different mm. floors and hierarchies and there was there was all kinds of stuff there was people that are like look this is just where my company works i'm not interested in working here so mm. get out of my face yep and there's other people <laughs> that are like oh i don't really have a job but i just love being around all these people and like can i contribute mm. and then there's busy ceos mm. that are of startups of eight people that are mm. quickly going to grow to 50 to 100 to international so they're like man i'd love to play table tennis but right now mm. we're in a growth phase and da 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 mm. and then you've got others that are like yeah i've kind of made all my money and i'm semi-retired and i'm just dishing out mentoring advice to young startups mm. so such a unique mix of people <clears throat> how do you get this how do you create a space that is big enough for all of those voices mm-hmm. but but i think one of the core premises of that that trying to get people to recognize which i loved i love the challenge of that is that the more they gave to that community the more they'd get from it yeah some of the people were paying off their own back to be there Mm -hmm. some of the people their boss was paying Mm -hmm. so they had no financial investment Mm -hmm. so some of the people yeah so this were on um, sponsorships or Mm -hmm. they were on grants to be there so there's all these different um a diverse set of circumstances that people arrive there. Mm. So some are like, I'm paying for this, so I want to get the most out of it, so you're going to give me the most out of it because mm. I'm a paying customer. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting dynamic of going, well, how do we create a culture where it's like, you're paying to be here, and yet the more you give to this, mm-hmm. so almost you're paying to give mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. to get the value for yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm. so how could we and then the people that aren't paying and don't really give a shit it's Mm. like well you have no interest in this being something that inspires and moves you and you generate value from Mm -hmm. so how do I get you to want to contribute to something that you have no desire to get any value from Mm -hmm. to then realize that you will get a lot of value from by giving to you know yeah because it's such a because like just the term architect what comes to mind is brick and stone mm-hmm. and you know concrete and these glass and there's real tangible things mm-hmm. like a cultural architect you're dealing with yeah feelings and emotions and you know yeah and ambition and you know all of these sorts 100 percent. Yeah. and then what would be you know things around that that would yeah. hold them in place and i remember i mean I, I'm, that's kind of i'm shifting back into that space now moving mm-hmm. a little bit away from the creativity and coming more into 
the cultural thing again because mm-hmm. I think that, that this is such a the determining factor moving forward for businesses and just in life it's the culture that mm-hmm. we can create um, that will allow for mm-hmm. and enable people to be the fullest expression of themselves inside of a unified intention or purpose of an organization or a team mm-hmm. but what would be those pillars what would be the concrete what would be the glass mm-hmm. what would be the, mm-hmm. the the timber finish form and function Mm -hmm. you know how can you create spaces that are effortless to be in Mm -hmm. that shape how you show up in them Mm -hmm. through both the mechanics or the engineering and the aesthetic Mm -hmm. because architecture is very aesthetic as well as it needing to be very foundational you know engineering structurally sound exactly yep Mm. Um, and they they have to be the same Mm. like they can't you can't err on the side of either one it's either going to be beautiful and fall over or it's going to you know, with, withstand the test of time. But no one wants to be there because it's a concrete box. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's that dance. It's kind of funny because I did a, like I wrote a piece on you know, Frank Gehry and uh, mm-hmm. like on design thinking. And what he does is he gets a commission to do a job. And the first thing he does is create what he calls a Shrek model. And that's just like this crazy concept just to show his vision and it usually freaks the hell out of his clients because they're like what is this just a blob of Mm -hmm. paper (laughs) but then from that he then works with clients to create something functional so it's like the meeting in between of this crazy vision plus Mm -hmm. what do you want from this Mm -hmm. from this building Mm. Mm. it's great Mm. We need what I think we need more of and something I need to embrace more. But if there are people out there listening where they really do feel like they are they are misunderstood mm. or that they have these blob ideas mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, but how do I get that across the line? Mm. How do I get others to buy into that? I struggle with that a lot. And I've, I think I've worked the last five years to really figure out how to speak the language of business mm-hmm. or of logic and reason or of... Um, the CFO mm-hmm. and I'm not great at it yet but I'm better but there's a danger in doing that that you lose the blobness mm-hmm. and I reckon right now that that we do need we need more of the blob mm-hmm. people yeah. that, are, that are willing to go well, what about this mm. because um, you can always dial it back mm. you know you can you can come back from that Yep. But let's start with a blob. Mm. Let's just mm. start with something ridiculous. Mm. And then we can pair it back to what... But it, it's really hard to dial up something that is pretty bland in the beginning. Yep. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. like saying, oh, how much for that? If you say 50 grand, people go, whoa, mm. okay, yeah. cool. Well, all mm. right, well, I think we could stretch to 20. Mm. But if you were like 20 grand, they go, oh, okay, we've only got five. <laughs> exactly. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, also, so... Just checking it. How are you? How you are? How are you for time? Great. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. Oh, whoops! I didn't realize that was. Uh, we're at eleven twenty-seven. Love it. Um, so the other thing, the other, I suppose, IP that you built mm. around that time, and this is just me reflecting, was this thing around artisan thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think, from say the outside looking in, it's kind of really tying up your two worlds at the time. Mm-hmm. So, music. Yeah, craziness owning owning a bar in Cambodia mm. plus startups and business. Mm-hmm. And how to how how to bring those worlds together? Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, how, how would you... Artisan thinking is, I really liked that. And I, would, yeah. I might even go back to that a bit because mm. that was, so design thinking was big. Mm. So that was, still is. Yeah. But at that time it was everywhere and everything and everyone was design thinking this and mm. design thinking that. Six, seven years ago, whenever it was. And uh, for me, it was like, cool. I love that. Empathy. Mm. Empathize with the customer. Get over mm. there with the user. Da, mm. da, 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 da. And then prototype, iterate, mm. try some things, test it with them. What do you think of this? Okay, mm. take those learnings back and then give them something that really serves them. Mm. But where are you in that? Mm. Where's the maker in that? Because mm. you cannot separate, as we've seen even with devs mm -hmm. doing the code. They think they're doing an objective alg algorithm. Mm -hmm. They're unaware of how much they're, they're um, coding in their bias. Yeah. Mm. So, so that's a good kind of platform for what I'm getting at with artists and thinking, but a more mm. romantic approach is to fully embrace that the maker of that prototype, mm. the person on the other side of the, of the dynamic between the customer or the end user, whoever's building it will inherently be a part of that solution, mm. whether they want to or not, there will mm. be a subjective mm -hmm. personality that comes through. You want a cup? I go, cool, you need a cup? Yeah, because I've got water and I just use my hands. I need a cup. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'm going to go away and I'm going to make a cup. I'm going to give you a cup. You go, that's pretty good, but I reckon I need a handle on the left side because I'm left-handed. I'll go, excellent. I'll go back, build that cup, blah. Yeah. That's design thinking. But the me in it, if I fully embrace it, the artisan bit is like, cool, well, you know what? I'm going to give you a hand on the left, but I'm also going to give you this other funky thing because that's mm. inspiring me right now. Yep. That's moving me. And I'm going to make it like a, a matte finish and I'm going to put a, f I'm going to give a lid with it mm. that's got your name on it and da-da-da-da-da and then give it back to you. And you're going to go, not only is this serving a functional purpose of exactly what I know I need right now or mm. didn't know I need, mm. but it's got a bit of mic in it mm. and that mm. makes it even cooler. Yeah. Because now like I want to tell people, check this out. Mm. This was made for me yep. and there's a little bit of them in it. Mm. And another great metaphor or analogy would be Pharrell Williams mm. or these or you know um, these great producers and stuff like that where mm. they're in five seconds of the film clip. Mm -hmm. You know, Gwen Stefani or, or, um, or uh, Justin Timberlake or Daft mm. Punk or whoever it is. He's just in there just letting them know, hey, there's a bit of Pharrell in this. Mm -hmm. It's Gwen mm. Stefani's song. Mm -hmm. But... Mm. Just letting you know I'm in this. That's artisan thinking where yeah. you're allowing and, and heroing and embracing that the maker is just as important as what is being made. Mm. That is, I think that, that's, that's an amazing way of thinking. But also, like say in the tech sector, how that can, um, if, if you're not careful, like how, your, like how the founder's DNA gets imbued in the, in the company or the code that they're building for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. And a couple of examples in the for worse category is like the embryo of Facebook was horrible, this ridiculous site where mm -hmm. he was rating women mm -hmm. and spiteful and, uh, and it was getting back at, I'll show you. Yeah, exactly. And now that's expanded to mm -hmm. what we're seeing now. It's, yep. you know, threatening democracy. And the other example is Uber where, the guy's idea was to, you know, create this app really to pick up women in mm -hmm. these big fancy cars. Yep. And then, I mean, not so much now, but it went through this whole phase of having real yep. cultural issues 
when it was a big you know 100 organization yeah yeah we and if mm. we if we brought more awareness to that if we we're more mm. conscious of oh we we are never separate from what we create yeah. every policy document that why it doesn't leap off the page to us is because there's no personality in it mm-hmm. but if if people we now we see with resumes or with or with copy on website it's all about mm. we need to see a bit more of your personality then you know copywriters and marketers get a hold of it and it starts becoming again watered down and obvious because you can tell mm. it's like well there's they're it, they're trying to separate themselves from it and it's getting confused and messy mm. but if we really went with i'm designing a solution for you to solve a problem for you mm-hmm. but i'm completely aware that my subjectivity my expertise and experience that shaped who i am is going to influence mm-hmm. this product or service no matter what so let's allow for that yeah and mm-hmm. and um, and correct for that and, some, and correct for that yeah yeah, mm. yeah. embrace it and and be in conversation about it yeah you know like it's like oh cool i'm not you know yeah you've given me this cup and mm. i love it and at the same time i kind of don't because mm. <laughs> it's got you in it it's like oh yeah <laughs> i can't take me out of it yeah mm. <clears throat> and i suppose going back to your story now like i think through this point you i think what i loved about say watching your growth while at inspire nine is how you kept challenging yourself and putting yourself out there like you had these little things you would do you know 50 people who mm-hmm. most influenced me and mm-hmm. write a profile on them on facebook mm-hmm. i think you did this thing on 50 songs in 50 days 50 weeks yeah 50 songs a week yeah a song a week um but yeah you kept doing these things mm. to really um you know i think grow as a person but mm-hmm. also then to to build this following to build a community on mm. uh, i think on you on your brand on michael dixon mm. yeah that part i don't think i was very good at mm. and uh, that kind of wasn't intent and i think where i've gone i don't want to say wrong but where i always get blocked now in mm. thinking about like i would love to i wish i didn't have to do this mm. <laughs> not this podcast but if mm. I, i wish i didn't have to work and think about the financial Mm-hmm. security of my family and kids and we were just cool it was like mm-hmm. sweet i'm gonna get 100 grand a year mm-hmm. mucking it around in my studio for the rest mm-hmm. of my life that would be wonderful mm-hmm. um and we're getting to, we'll, we'll get to that that's kind of our aspiration uh but in the meantime the building of brands and you know visibility and stuff mm-hmm. something i always struggle with but what anchors me and i think what probably what you're talking about what happened as a byproduct or started maybe getting noticed or seen or invited to speak or work with companies was by doing those projects that were actually about me mm. and they weren't safe mm-hmm. so writing recording releasing a song a week mm. for 50 weeks when i'm a professional musician that were trained at the conservatorium in jazz and la la la, la <laughs> was terrifying yeah because i was there was no way i would be happy with a song Mm. and it would be polished to the level that I would like it to be it's just like oh, I've got to put it up there and if you yep. hear that song for the first time you're going to judge me on that mm. and that's not going to be what my ego wants so it's really like going all right here I am mm. the one I did I remember um when we first got pregnant my skin went really bad on my face I put on all this weight and it was just mm. horrible right and I spoke then for a living at that point so it was mm. like I'm on stages I'm in front of people the last thing I wanted to do was be on camera mm-hmm. so I went all right 
I'm going to do five one-minute videos a day for 50 days, mm. just ordinary moments, because I wanted to confront this idea that I just want to literally hide in my bedroom. I don't want to leave the house because mm. I'm just so horrified at how I look. Mm. So I went and I flicked it to black and white. So I just that was my safety net, and I just mm. fucking did it every day, well before Instagram stories and that mm. kind of sharing. It was kind of that concept, unknowingly. Mm-hmm. But that was so vulnerable. You think about building a brand mm. and it's all um, me brushing my teeth, mm-hmm. me walking down the street, me sharing something ridiculous, talking Getting to dumplings. The... I think I remember one yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. Stupid stuff, right? Yeah. But that probably built some kind of, some kind of notoriety or something. But mm. for me at that point was like, oh, I've, I have to do this for me. Mm. And I don't really care. Like, I don't care if anyone sees it. Mm. It's just for me. And I think where I've been in, with this pandemic and stuff and with that book coming out, and I, sh- you know, I put so much pressure on myself that I should be doing more promoting and marketing mm. this book. But then I start to think I've got to get it all perfect and I've got mm. to have the fancy video and I've got to... Uh, and whenever I do that, I just don't put anything out. Mm. It's such a... Every, I'm sure everyone listening to this can resonate with <laughs> yeah. that. And you Absolutely. just got to yeah. go, you know what? screw it Mm. you know screw what brand do you think you have Mm. who cares about presenting this perfect look at him he's cool he's funky he's expensive he's she's whatever and just being do something that inspires you challenges you confronts you terrifies you Mm. for you Mm -hmm. so that you've got the strength you know that internal and you're creating and you're sharing and it's just a it's you're in the game. Mm. Yeah, it's such a... I, I will never learn that lesson. Like, mm. I will, that will be a constant discipline, mm-hmm. like going to the gym, like mindfulness, mm. whatever it is for you. Mm. That process of, oh, hang on, i got to share some stuff. Oh, mm. but what about if we just wait until we can come up with yeah. a really cool idea and then we'll get a fancy tile for it for YouTube and then we'll do it. Nah, you lost me. <laughs> Make something and share it. Yep. Hmm. Uh, yeah that's yeah I mean that definitely resonates with me I think it's it's kind of like getting this podcast up and mm-hmm. going like I sat on it for months yeah and even once I'd recorded a few episodes I still sat on it for yeah. months <laughs> yeah yeah it's fascinating too because mm. then what you forget what we all forget is mm. when like we see you putting these podcasts out and we're like oh mm. man Roll's kicking ass look at him yeah. go and you're like, nah, nah, honestly, that's not your experience. I, I don't know, but I'm going to mm. assume because it's not mine. Mm. People go, man, you're everywhere, Mike. Mm. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, you know, you know, sitting there before the publish button. <sighs> do I, don't I do the spending? Oh God, this is another reason why I probably haven't put anything out in six months. Mm. If I have to spend longer than three minutes, and sometimes you spend 43 minutes mm. trying to figure out what you're going to write above the podcast you're sharing on a fucking LinkedIn post? (laughs) Who gives a shit that people will see and scroll through for eight seconds, if that, Mm. two seconds, Mm. and only a a fraction of the people that follow you anyway. Mm. And yet there you are investing 48 minutes of your life into wording this thing. It just seems so ridiculous, doesn't it? I've been there and, and even it's it's even 
say, you know, like writing blogs and so on, like yeah. you spend all this time writing and then hitting that publish button, like uh, you still feel like your stomach acid's churning for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. eight people can read it. Yeah. And even 80,000 people can read it. It doesn't matter. It's still yeah. like... It's still here. Does it matter? Tomorrow. Does yeah. it, you know, I don't know. This is, a, this is an I, I ongoing thing for me. Like it does matter in the sense of getting past that and getting the mm-hmm. stuff out there. Yes. I think for your own, uh, like we talked about courage earlier. Mm. It's an exercise in courage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think the more you do it, uh, the more, the stronger that muscle gets. Yeah. It is true. And I would say like, I always feel, <clears throat> I always feel like, God, podcast. Mm. Who wants to listen to me talk about me? What a, what a crock of shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I have a real, I've never listened to one that I've done. Yep. Mm. But then I've realized, you know, it's, it's, I always remember, huh, if no one else shared their story, I wouldn't be listening to anything. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it is such a, a reminder for all of us mm. to remember, yeah, when it's your turn to get on the mic, mm. you're not going to think you have anything valuable to say. Mm. I don't think I've said anything valuable today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, my, my experience is... There's at least a hundred... <laughs> One minute LinkedIn clips in this podcast. <laughs> but I would have, I like, literally, my experience in this moment is what a waste of Raul's time. I hope he doesn't put this out and we can do it again. Yep. And that I guarantee, or I, I would assume that that's the vast majority of your guests would feel the same. Oh, God, that is a bit, oh, geez, I hope that. Oh, I, I feel it sometimes. Yeah. It's, yeah. And yet, then we, we can assume then that just about everyone doing content would be feeling the same mm. and yet we're listening to it going hey man that was great podcast mm. by the way like i really go off from that it was a cool conversation yeah. You're like really yeah they're, they're like no nah, really that's i hated it and i think it comes to um i think like like imposter syndrome is a term that's mm-hmm. you know bandied about quite a bit but i think it's definitely a real thing and it's not just say you and me like it affects the best of the best mm. um, like I read that you know Meryl Streep every time she gets a mm. script thinks there's no way I can do I can't this. do this I can't do this <laughs> Meryl <laughs> go <That's> Meryl <laughs> yeah um, so, so just to I suppose come full circle now what you're doing now is I think incredible in that I think all that we've talked about from your background you know from getting kicked out and getting kicked out of school to mm. jazz to living in cambodia you know being mm. spy and iron stuff all that stuff you built you really bring all of that into mm-hmm. into what you do now mm. and you're bringing it to businesses you create cultural experiences you create events mm. um but how, how did it how did what are the steps it took for you to be recognized and, and for you to get these gigs? Mm. You know, like from from like you worked with big mm-hmm. some of the biggest companies like mm-hmm. Google and YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. At the moment, doing big work with Dulux Group, mm-hmm. with uh, with Laminex, doing a lot of stuff with a dear friend of mine there. Some yeah, some big multinational brands, and it mm. and it is and some really big work. Mm. Yeah, which is. I wouldn't have been able to do... I think I was trying to get this kind of work three or four years ago. Now, looking back, I'm like, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. I was trying yeah. to sell it in, but yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. But 
but the process is you absolutely right what mm. i'm doing now is the culmination of 20 plus years of different things that are mm. all channeled into the one mm -hmm. so and even with virtual now so built another company and during mm. the pandemic called pirate tv where we do live um live virtual streaming kind of events and help, helping now organizations to see that internally, the way they communicate with their people, it's gonna be virtual moving forward, mm -hmm. the vast majority, their town halls, their email threads, the Microsoft Teams, Yammer, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it needs to be far more engaging than it is. Why wouldn't they have a broadcast quality TV station mm -hmm. that oversees their internal comms? And so we're now helping some big brands start to get their head around this. Mm, that's a great idea. It's yeah. fucking awesome idea. Yeah. And that's, then I look back and go, well, there's my acting coming out. Mm. There's all of the tech background, you know, because mm. I was at AV Tech for a while doing mm. stuff like that. The musicality stuff, there's mm. creating content. I was doing videos, I was doing YouTube videos on Facebook in 2010, mm -hmm. you know, like long before, I don't want to say I'm an early adopter or anything, but long before I realized that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I was building WordPress websites mm. in 2009. Wow. Not knowing... Because it was just a, it was a necessity. It was like, oh yeah, I need to kind of build a website, and mm. and then I was one of those early bloggers. Mm. So I had a blog called the B Movement, B lowercase mm. no e, mm -hmm. and it was just B Movement. With I remember when Danielle Laporte had five hundred twi Twitter followers, mm. you know, and and now she's got three million. I don't even know she's a superstar, mm. but the Jonathan Fields mm. and all the kind of the, the folk from back then were actually mm. accessible. It was very early, mm. but those skills now it's like oh yeah, I can just build a quick website in a day mm. for a big client for an event for mm. this for that mm -hmm. probably not the best use of my time but all these skills are coming together mm -hmm. and for example in a couple of weeks i'm taking away a leadership team to um it's part of a you know it's a big engagement we've done a lot of virtual stuff master classes we did a three-day online offline festival experience for their end of year thing then I'm taking the leadership team to a stunning Airbnb house mm. where Cook, it, the, the, I'm calling it Home is the project name or the offsite name and it's about coming home to yourself. So it's not fancy dinners in you know, a hotel somewhere like they're used to. It's mm -hmm. we're sleeping in the same house, sharing rooms, mm -hmm. sharing bathrooms. Mm -hmm. We're all cooking for one another. Mm -hmm. We're all going to make cocktails one another by the pool like we are living in a home. Mm -hmm. And that's for senior leaders mm -hmm. um, where I'm essentially throwing a party. Mm. You know, we'll talk about strategy and ops and all that cool stuff, but how am I getting paid to do that? Like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And it's and what, I, what I'm finding really amazing is the trust mm. where they will say, what are we doing next, Mike? Mm. And I now, I've got you know, a few runs on the board. Now I go great well i got a good idea for you mm -hmm. and what felt like remember we talked about the blob before mm -hmm. in the beginning when i guess i didn't have the trust or the respect or the you know the when people weren't so sure about me or how I, how i could deliver mm -hmm. if i put a blob forward they're like nah mm -hmm. but now i put a blob forward they go cool mm -hmm. what else mm -hmm. and it and it is um it's kind of exciting to think yeah. where this can go because i think also like Say say the skills you mentioned, like building websites and so on, like those are, and the AV and all of that. That's great. But I think also what you brought along your journey is the intangible skills, mm -hmm. like you busking on the street. Mm -hmm. It's everything. You know the, the courage that that took. Yeah. You know, 
putting one minute videos of yourself when you're feeling exactly. bloated, bloated and pimply and you know all of yep. that. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. So they all of are what you're doing, yeah, the most powerful things. Hmm. And that's the invitation to people is to you won't know how it'll show up later, but if you like how we let music lead us in ways and work on us in ways that we can't fathom mm -hmm. don't worry try try mm. and i think the, the the way that you will know if you're putting yourself in circumstances and situations that will grow you in ways beyond you reading a business book mm -hmm. is if it scares the fucking shit out of you mm. if the if your professional or personal brand is at risk mm -hmm. that's a good thing mm -hmm. you if you are walking into the fire of your own transformation like that's where you're going to learn things that you won't know what you're learning mm -hmm. and how it's going to show up. But this is X factor material mm -hmm. for two years, four years, eight years down the track mm -hmm. where it becomes embodied and instinctual mm -hmm. and that you might never know what you're doing, but other people will go, why does something about Raul, man, mm -hmm. the way that he does that thing, he's the guy for this. Mm -hmm. And you can name your rate. Mm -hmm. You got a waiting list. It's almost, that's almost a sign of, you know, of doing meaningful work is, does it scare you? Like, mm -hmm. do you feel that, do you feel like your stomach acid's churning when you think about doing the thing? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it just shouldn't feel, I don't know, it, it can feel, it, I don't, I never really had a sense of work. So this is, I guess, probably one of the Trojan horse ways of, of the impact that I can have in in organizations is that I never worked a desk job yet I'm helping people that formerly were in offices but now working remotely how they can have a better experience at work how they can bring more of themselves to it but I've never had an experience of it mm. I couldn't possibly fathom mm. doing that mm. five days a week sitting at a desk mm. with your colleagues going getting coffee at 10 in the lunchroom at one like mm. I, I just am, that's to me like suffocating I just mm. couldn't do it mm. no disrespect to anyone that could but just me personally couldn't do it mm. but the uh, the I just got lost in like mm. wow how do people do it yeah. how do people do it mm. and I guess for me is don't like if, if that's what you've done mm. and you're looking for another way and you're looking how to bring more meaning to that, you are not going to find it there. Mm -hmm. You're not going to find the magic juju, special source, X factor mm -hmm. vibe mm -hmm. that you're seeking. Yep. It, it exists there, but the fuel that you need to bring it there does not exist there. Mm -hmm. You got to go mm -hmm. out, mm -hmm. travel, mm -hmm. go to a bar you wouldn't normally go to, get up earlier than you normally would, stay up later than you normally would, drink more than you normally would mm. do whatever is outside of that mm -hmm. be influenced by that diversify yeah. your stimuli i talk mm. about all the time become just profoundly affected mm. by diversity yep i think yeah th that's another thing you mentioned in your book is i'm not sure if you phrase this this way but it's kind of divergent thinking like mm -hmm. if you're if you're kind of embedded in two realms I think where the magic lies is a combination of those two. Intersection, yeah. yeah. And mm. if you're embedded in eight mm. or Even 17, mm. well, then that's when people go, how do you come up with these amazing ideas? You're like, mm. well, it's really easy because it's just when I was in India, mm. they did it like this. But if you've never been outside your suburb, if you've only ever worked one job in one organization, mm -hmm. 
how are you going to have how are you going to be able to bring something different mm-hmm. that's going to change your experience but also is going to have impact in that company mm-hmm. if all you know is white bread yep try a little couscous mm. like fucking eat a burger mm. <laughs> sushi you know mix it up and then you'll go whoa yeah. i had no idea there's these flavors exist mm. and then you can then it's not as crazy and as big a leap as it feels it's actually mm. just you just like well i'm just bringing a bit of sushi mm. to lunch and everyone goes wow what is this crazy thing mm. oh you haven't been to japan okay cool that's why you think it's out there mm. for this person it's not out there Mm. diversify as much as you possibly can your experience Mm. um well i think we've covered a shitload here do we edit this (laughs) (laughs) this is the long conversation (laughs) well i suppose the the final question is like the name of this podcast is on meaningful work so just through your lived experience what does the term on meaningful work mean to you on meaningful work means to me there's never been a, a better time mm-hmm. a more important time for you to find the courage mm. to get responsible for the impact you've chosen to come here mm. to make this moment world in disarray in chaos mm. and yet and yet you know consciousness is rising on the one hand mm-hmm. the opportunity all the systems people are moving out of the city people are remote working people are realizing that they want more purpose and values and da 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 this is it mm. there isn't a better time mm-hmm. there isn't another time this is the time mm-hmm. for you to go okay i'm going to make this work for me and by making it work for you you will make it work for more people mm-hmm. Like if more people are seen to be living aligned with their values or at least on the journey to discovering what their values are and mm-hmm. trying to bring them more out in their life and work, if you're on this journey to try to bring more beauty and meaning and value and joy into your day-to-day experience at work, that's going to inspire other people to do that too. Mm-hmm. The Like don't you can't there's no better time mm-hmm. no more waiting mm-hmm. like no more waiting this is it like literally the moment that you're listening to this mm-hmm. and you don't have to know what it looks like you ca- you can't know what it looks like mm-hmm. the way will reveal the way there's only there's only taking that next little terrifying mm-hmm. step towards i don't know what that is i don't know what that is but i don't like the way that thing feels so i'm going to go this way mm-hmm. And then it will reveal itself and then it will reveal itself and then it will reveal itself. So if you're seeking to find more meaning in your work, go left Mm. when you normally go right. Mm. Go into the things that are like, I don't see how there's a tangible return on this, but it feels Mm. good or it feels exciting or it feels dangerous. Grab a microphone and lie down on Swanson Street. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Give it a crack and know that there are others that have done it before you. There are Mm. others that are doing it at the same time as you and that others will not do it unless they see you do it. Mm. So play your part Mm. in this legacy, you know, lineage of of humans, of Mm. humanity that's all trying to figure out how to find meaningful work. Mm.
give it a crack. With that, Michael Dixon, thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks, really appreciate man. you coming I love down. It. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> and for everyone out there, could we get a big round of applause for Raul? <laughs> and actually, while we're on this, mm-hmm. I'd love to invite you to my 4.0 party, which is happening on April the 17th. Yeah. Uh, it's a secret party, so I'm doing this on a podcast. <laughs> but it's uh, it's pretty wild, and I'm gonna I'll share the secret website with you shortly. It's got the password is also a secret. I won't share that. <laughs> yeah. But it's gonna be pretty cool, man. And That's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm there. Four dot o h. Oh, four. Four point oh. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.